Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of directed video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched Operation Condor. In Operation Condor, Jackie Chan plays an explorer recruited by the United Nations to recover a stash of gold they believe was hidden somewhere in the Sahara Desert by German soldiers after World War II. Several groups of bad guys are also after the gold and are desperately after the key and map that will lead to the treasure. Screenplay by Jackie Chan and Edward Tang, directed by Jackie Chan, and released in Hong Kong on February 7th, 1991. You have not seen this movie before, right? No, I have not. I have. Is this the first movie where I have not seen, but you've seen? One of. I don't know if it's the very first, but it's... Yeah. I'm trying to think. (laughs) In like a hundred something episodes. Well, because usually... I've I've seen seen the movie, and you haven't, or we've both seen it. Or we've both never seen it. Yeah, or we've both never seen it. But is there a movie that we... Is this the first one? It might be. It might be. Where it's a movie that I have not seen, but you've seen for this podcast. Yeah, it's possible. It's... it's... Out of a hundred and... Twelve. <laughs> I'd say at the most, there's like three that are like that so far. But yeah, this could honestly be the first. I haven't been keeping those stats. <laughs> Me neither, but I feel like this is the first time of me saying, no, I haven't. <laughs> and you have. saying, yes, I have. Okay. Well. I, I mean, I was a big Jackie Chan fan. Uh, really, honestly, after the MTV Movie Awards, when they gave him like a Lifetime Achievement thing okay and that was around the time that rumble in the bronx happened Mm. uh, or hit us and so rumble in the bronx is like my first exposure but you know that uh of a full movie but you know the package of you know all of his accomplishments and stunts whatever just kind of blew me away at the time and i got heavily into it grabbed a whole bunch of vhs's of his stuff and i have his autobiography sitting in front of me right now it's autographed from an in-person book signing he did um so we saw his house when we went to hawaii (laughs) yeah when i went and visited you in san francisco i picked up an audio cassette of his singing career (laughs) so a whole bunch of whole bunch of stuff and you know obviously you know um there's bad parts of every public person personality but um you know Back when I was a teenager, I was, like, obsessed. So, yeah, I, I've seen this one, but it was never one that I put in to the VCR all that often. Rumble in the Bronx was, like, number one. And then probably Super Cop, Twin Dragons, and... Uh, 
um, uh, First Strike. A lot of, you know, a lot of the, the early mid-90s ones. This one came out in Hong Kong in 1991. It did not hit the U.S. until 1997. So when we watched the VHS of this, uh, it had a lot of previews for 1997 movies. So <laughs> we've been for, forgetting to talk about the previews early on. We can actually talk about the previews because we watched a VHS copy and it had a few, which is nice. Yeah, and a couple of movies neither one of us have heard of. Like, the first one was Bounty Hunters. Yeah, it's a Michael Dudikoff movie. And I don't... I don't think it came out in theaters at all. No, because when I looked it up, there is other movies and TV shows called Bounty Hunters. So I had to look up Bounty Hunters 1997 and it looks like it was direct-to-video. Yeah. So, you know, it's uh, another generic action movie. And then you get Con Air, which had like an actual like widescreen trailer, which, you know, looked weird on a widescreen TV. Right. (laughs) So, you know, like the letterboxing of it all. Uh, created a nice little weird uh, effect. So yeah, Con Air was after that, which I think most people are familiar with. Uh, Chasing Amy was after that, which is kind of weird. I haven't seen Chasing Amy in so long. That I, out of all of, I don't know, when it comes to... Kevin Smith, yeah. Yeah, when it comes to Kevin Smith, Chasing Amy is like not one of my faves. Okay. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen it. Mainly um, because I don't like Ben Affleck. I still don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> so seeing him 20 years ago, I like seeing Ben Affleck in pain because <laughs> I just don't like him. So I, when I see him miserable, it makes me live inside. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> it I makes mean, but half him... of the movie is him being miserable, right? So. I guess, but I just don't like seeing his face. Okay. <laughs> so uh chasing amy was third um and then it was uh a movie called cozy which i know i've seen the box for and it has you know, um oh gosh i'm blanking on her name right now tony collette tony collette right? in it yeah and, and like the box doesn't seem to really indicate anything that this movie is it's about them like putting on some sort of a play in a mental institution i guess so yeah i didn't get I... that from the box which just shows like her with like her arms out or yeah, something. I thought it was topsy turvy. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because it's very um elaborate and over the top. I didn't see Jim Broadbent anywhere in the trailer, so I knew it wasn't. And then lastly we had Jennifer Beals, Christopher Walken, and Russell Wong in the Prophecy, prophecy two. two. Which I didn't even know they made a Prophecy Two <laughs> but I don't pay attention to that, I guess. No. I, I think they did multiples. I think they did at least four. I don't know if Walken was in all of them, but they did a lot. So, yeah, we got trailers, which is nice. Right. And then we get into the movie. It's, again, it's not one of my favorites. This, again, uh, released in the U.S. in 1997, came out in 1991 originally. And for U.S. distribution, they actually cut 20 minutes. So we're actually not seeing, like, the full movie. We're seeing 
the US version with 20 minutes less stuff. And I don't really know how much is removed. I don't know if it's like almost pure exposition because there are some things that don't make a whole lot of sense. Um, like why certain characters exist in the first place, why they came with, all these other things that probably are filled in. Or are we missing some fight scenes and maybe we just got the best of the best in, of the fight scenes? Or maybe a mix. I'm not sure. If anyone else knows, then let us know. But there wasn't a clear indication. What's left... It's good and bad. I'd say, like... I, yeah. It's, it's not like, a good introduction to Jackie Chan movies, I'd say. It's, like, problem... Like, you wouldn't watch this movie... Like, this movie wouldn't fly now of with all the, like, it's, racial tropes of... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, again, this is early 90s, and so a lot of the stuff that you see kind of just... I don't want to say, like, it was a different time, but it was a different time, you know? Like, where a lot of these... A lot of characterization is stereotypes. Yeah. And we have English dubs that play into this where you have white voice actors, I'm assuming, doing borderline offensive, if not fully offensive, Middle Eastern accents, Asian accents... But then also, it looks like they have non-people of color playing people of color. Yeah, just and, in general, in, yeah, on screen. Yeah, wearing, like, this is, this is, I mean, it's super offensive now, but just wearing, like, a scarf over their head. And speaking, like, in Arabic language, and everyone's like, oh, this is funny. Yeah, it, it's a lot of making fun of other people's cultures, cultures and, and everything then like that. Even... And I think... <laughs> when they go... Because it's mainly in, filmed in Spain and Morocco. And when they... Well, I didn't even know it was in Spain until I was like, this doesn't look like it should be in Hong Kong. <laughs> like, But even right. though I, I read that um, that fight scene they had where What's-Her-Face was in the towel, that was filmed in a Hong Kong hotel. Like, that hotel was not in morocco itself. yeah they they did some they did some stuff in hong kong i actually have some behind the scenes stuff from the biography that i can uh -huh. share in a bit um but it takes place in spain and then it they takes go place to in spain that's where like the un u.s embassy is where uh jackie whose character is asian hawk or asian condor but they really only say that name like once mm -hmm. in the entire movie then the rest of the time they just call him jackie um, I, I think part of the, I honestly think that like, for better or for worse, these days, it's kind of common for Jackie Chan movies to have those racial stereotypes across the board, like making fun of Americans, making fun of Chinese people, making fun of whoever. I mean, look at the Rush Hour trilogy. That's half of the jokes. Right. It's making fun of things. Or Shanghai Noon, Shanghai exactly. that's, Nights. When I, that's how I became, I don't know, a fan of Jackie Chan was through the Rush Hour movies because I thought they were hilarious. 
Yeah, and, and there's part of it when, at least, at the, I don't know, again, looking at it now, I don't I don't know how it would really come across to an audience, but at the time, you're like, oh, well, he's in it, so he's part of the joke. He's yeah. okay with it. But he doesn't always represent the entirety of Asian culture. Right. You know, Chris Tucker doesn't represent the entirety of African-American black culture. So... Right. But like when the, you're in the audience, you're like, oh, they're laughing, they're creating the joke, so it's okay for me to laugh at it. So, and, and the same type of thing is more exaggerated in this movie, I think, except you may not have people from those cultures playing people from those cultures. It's it's Fisher Stevens in Short Circuit. Yeah, playing, you know, <laughs> playing an Indian, Indian man. You know, it's... Um, and for like the longest time, I thought Fisher Stevens was Indian until I don't even know, like watching him in Succession now. I don't no. even know. <laughs> no, you had to have seen him in some. I know, stuff like <laughs> yeah, but just seeing him and other stuff, you're like, wait. Yeah. Or even recently when we were talking about Ben Kingsley. Yeah, Ben Kingsley. Where recently I saw him going to be cast as Salvador Dali. Yeah, and like my movie. first comment was how many cultures does this guy have to play? <laughs> yeah, but then I mean in the year 2023 you can't find like an old Spanish man to play Salvador Dali now. Right. You have to go to Ben Kingsley to play him i don't know yeah and then you got the whole richard dreyfus debacle that just recently happened too with his comments of like how he wants to he almost said like well why can't i wear blackface you know what i mean like uh, it's you know that that whole weird conversation is like no <laughs> let's there are enough actors to cover it that you don't have to do that thing um anyway i don't think it's as extreme is all of that but there are some instances where like it's just yeah, like kind of supporting characters it, yes, <laughs> watching yes. it yes there are some parts that are kind of off-putting now because the humor lies in the stereotypes and sort of making fun of the root of their existence or you have this in the opening scene you have the, him going into a jungle cave there's like a ruins and a temple inside of a jungle and seeing these tribal people, which I don't think are real people, because they're basically like in gray, right? Like, it's, it, it, you know, I don't think it's an actual tribe that they're trying to reference at all. So it's like they're they're in gray and they're like wearing like these masks that are made of like wood. paper mache. Yeah, um, very angular. And it's supposed to be like a jokey scene, and for the most part, it's it's yeah, fine. it's like the early Indiana Jones. Yeah, because that's basically what Jackie's character is. He's not like, an agent. He's not a spy, necessarily. He's like an Indiana Jones explorer type. Mm-hmm. Getting these artifacts. <laughs> yeah. And so he's there. He takes these jewels. The tribesmen see him, and they're like, yeah, yo, go ahead. You can take him. I don't care. And he's like, oh, for me? This is for... I'll take it. I'm going to keep it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, back and forth and stuff. I can have this one, too? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's kind of a playful, funny scene. And then he grabs some of the water that's coming out of the statue that he's taking the jewels from, and then they get all, all they huffy because that's yeah. holy water. Uh-huh. So, you know, that's the whole funny bit is, you know, you can take all the jewels, but you can't take the water because that means you now have to marry the tribal daughter who's, you know, a, a big, heavy set woman, and that's the joke is nobody wants that. Sort of like nothing but trouble. Yes. Uh, 
And so he is able to escape, and he starts, like, zorbing down the hill, which I don't... Which I, I didn't know not... existed in 1991. Those big, uh... Yeah, those big balloon ball zorb things. Yeah, those, uh... Balls that you see little, like, gerbils play in. Or the, 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 like, the bit... I, I just think about what's-his-face from the Flaming Lips now, because that's what he uses when he goes into the crowd, mm-hmm. as he goes into, like, that big ball, and he walks across the crowd in them. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that that... I remember the first time seeing those things from, like real world road rules where they had to do a challenge going down a hill on one of those things. Yeah, it was like mid 90s is when I right. became aware of them and here it is so in 1991. So seeing it in 1991. But he wasn't going down a hill. It looked like a 2000 like a huge cliff. foot cliff. Yeah. <laughs> and and the the shots are wide enough that there probably was not an actual person. Yeah, they just show a ball going down. Yeah. Um but yeah, sort of but like making... reverse Indiana Jones where like the boulders being chased. You know. Yeah, but it's making like squeaky noises, kind of like mm-hmm. a play toy going yeah, like, toy. like down the cliff. And then he gets out of it and some somewhere along the way he lost the jewels and so he escaped. But that was like whatever. the end of that scene. Yeah, it's like the it cold open and it goes to really bad cuts credits. Cuts to these credits, which it looks like it faded. Like, I thought it was going to be a TV movie because the way it faded and I was like it looked like commercials were meant to go there or something I mean again 20 minutes were cut out so it could be that uh, there was some other stuff that happened and they made this and like they weird credit scene to do scene. sort of an awkward credit scene instead and these are brand new credits for the US of course honestly some of the music is brand new for this movie too for the US version some of the score was redone um, and you have like really bad CG stone walls intercut with, you know, clips from the movie that have very jarring audio and, you know, pans of like these fake maps. It's trying to make it seem like this really cool hip action adventure, but it honestly plays like a shitty syndicated action show. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's a really bad credit sequence. Uh, and then you're thrown into a talking scene in Spain where he meets Ada who's going to be his guide um, she has the map and knows where to go to find the gold from World War II the United Nations I guess wants to have this basically they just don't want the Germans to find it and take it back because it wasn't theirs to begin with um, but beyond that I don't really fully know so they need to find a key. They have the map, but they need the key. And apparently it's in Spain. Uh, possibly in Spain. Uh, there is a house that belonged to... I, I really... Again, 20 minutes cut out. <laughs> like, yeah. There's a house that belongs to one of the people, German commanders... Um, but it's now yeah, it's like, like fifty the, years later. The practically. caretaker, like the base, their caretaker. So is it, are you getting to Elsa? Yeah, like okay. Elsa's there. Like the house is for sale. There's a whole bunch of stuff and artifacts in there. 
but already. It, it looks like an abandoned um, apartment building and like a loft, like the loft that you see in the movie Ghost pre Demi Moore, <laughs> like renovating it because it's all like random shit everywhere. But uh-huh. then you have her living there, even though it's like. 60 room it looks like an off like an office space and she just has like a random bed in a room and then you have this weird bathroom that looks like it's a dormitory bathroom i don't know how to explain it but yeah just because it's so open to the rest of the house it's just very open-ended and there's like no doors really (laughs) that's why it just looks like it's it's a loft slash office building house yeah and there's like an attic type of thing that's like kind of adjoining it that has all the different stuff and like wood slats and it's it's a very unusual layout to us um and jackie's there basically breaking in to see if he can find this thing and then all of a sudden yeah she what comes he thinks in. is an abandoned thing is uh, occupied by Elsa who runs in to pee and use the bathroom and shower and he has to kind of like sneak around and avoid that and use different things and just even to get in he does like a little Mario wall jump thing to go over like the the fence without actually opening the gate like this yeah you know a lot of the stuff that you see is like you know like precursor to parkour you know oh yeah Um, and um there are the, these two men that are also following her, Amon and Taza. Yeah. And they're also looking for the gold, like, at the same time. And while Elsa's taking a shower and just, like, walking from room to room getting ready, that's when they the two men try to take her i don't know like well, they, everyone's well, looking for the key everyone yeah they're looking for the key or the gold for the gold the and but she just happens to see those guys and the guys come after her but then jackie comes out and confronts them and they have a little fight and the fight was kind of like cool i guess because when he like he takes one of the guys and like flips them through like sheets yeah, like he's, the way the guy like he's on a, Well, he's he's like standing on the rug. He pulls the rug and causes him like do a whole bunch of like, he does horizontal like, he flips. He does like a like spinnings. At least two flips, like two three sixties, and then lands on his back. And I was like, whoa, that must have been like that looked like a real thing they had to choreograph and practice for at least a few times i don't know oh yeah yeah there's there's a lot of like it's all these fight scenes are heavily planned yeah it's just that the way he flipped twice and then landed on his back was cool and then it just they them running around chasing each other and fighting and elsa's like what the hell's going on and then uh, to kind of get out of the fight, Jackie's like, oh, hey, if you're coming after me, you might want to look at this or something. And he, like, rips the towel off of Elsa's body so they can be distracted so he can take him out. Right. But, I mean, we don't see her naked body, but, you know, 
Yeah, you see naked back from behind. Yeah. Maybe a little side boob. I don't even know. Um, but, yeah, like, it's... There's a lot of close quarters fighting in this movie compared to, to other Jackie Chan movies, I think. Um, also, I think less prop usage here than in others. At least of the era. Uh, so here, yeah, like you have the, the rug being pulled out and there's a lot of like flipping over each other and hitting people into stuff, but not as much of like him using the environment to his advantage. It's a lot of more straightforward punching and kicking and stuff. Um, but yeah, like he, he saves the day and they are gone and then it just sort of cuts and like, well, who are you? Like, you know, yeah, that's, that's part of the thing. Like, well, whole... who are you? Like, who are you? But why are you here? But who are yeah, you? Yeah, this whole misunderstanding. Like, who are you? And, they're, and Jackie's like, well, I don't know who these guys are. But she's like, no, but who are you? Yeah, and I guess at some point, things got explained off camera. Of who, um, who was. Because Elsa comes and she wants to join Ada and Jackie on their trip to the desert. Because she is the granddaughter of one of the guys, the yeah. uh, the general or whoever it is um, that may have locked up the gold. Um, in the meantime, like what's really weird about this movie, and again, isn't fully explained, is why everybody's coming after this stuff right now at the same at time. The same time. So it's like if they this has been do. since World War Two, why is it all happening right now? Because those guys are not the only ones. There's also another group that confronts Jackie outside that leads to like this fight on the stairs which is pretty good and then this big car chase where Jackie's on a motorcycle being chased by cars um and you have a lot of very cliched stuff in this you know even cliched for the time where you're running running into a whole bunch of empty boxes on the street right. uh, there's someone carrying a painting uh, outside of a doorway and oops the motorcycle goes right through the painting or there's a baby who's in the middle of the street. Yeah, and, and you the have to mom, save the, baby. the mom runs away from the baby buggy, but the baby buggy is still in the middle of the street. But oh, here comes this giant truck! Like, what yeah. are we gonna do? And so Jackie like stops the chase, and he's able to get save the, baby the baby and slide it over. And, and but the way he slid happy. it over was funny because he kind of slid the baby over, and the baby is still like on the streets yeah <laughs> but he's you know out of the way of the cars that crash like immediately <laughs> after um and then you know a couple times this happens but he's basically it leads to some sort of like a dock or shipping yard or whatever and he rides his motorcycle and jumps off and catches this net that's high above things while all the cars like lemmings just drive off mm -hmm. the dock into the water <laughs> because they, they don't realize show... that they have to stop um, There's like two angles they had to show that they showed it twice. Yeah, they showed it a few times. Um, this uh, him grab jumping off the motorcycle, grabbing on that cargo net thing. This is one of the himself. bigger stunts of the movie, so it makes sense. They also did it where um, he was in the warehouse and getting chased by cars, and he's like. He's jumping from different piles of boxes and jumping from them right as they're being destroyed, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and so he keeps on getting higher and higher and higher. Yeah. And then at one point, he's like basically on a girder 
and he has to spin to avoid the car that's coming from behind him. And they show that a few times as well, because that is, again, a very dangerous um, high-profile stunt. And so, you know, they have multiple camera angles to make sure to they have like, coverage, hey, and they decided to use it all. Yeah, look how we did this. Um, but those are, I think those are the only two major times that they do that. Yeah. Well, Which is kind of one, odd, because the ending... The wind tunnel fight is like maybe there's more wires that they took out of that the wind tunnel fight? yeah and that's why they didn't do the multiple angles well because the the way they the, at the end of the movie there are bloops and they do show some wind tunnel how they did some wind tunnel stuff bit. yeah they built their own wind tunnel <laughs> yeah so i mean they probably i mean you don't see I don't think I've seen a fight like that ever. So that's like an innovative yeah, one-time only thing I've ever seen. I've never seen fights win within wind tunnels. He gives he gives his top 10 fights in his uh his I am Jackie Chan autobiography and he puts that at number 10. Oh, so 10 out of 1? No, no, like that's number 1? No, no. Number ten, yeah. Number, ten. It, it's the bottom of his top ten list. Okay. Of his fa- his top his, ten fights. Okay, what's number one? Uh, from Wheels on Meals, the Jet Fighter Part One. I don't remember Wheels on Meals anymore. That's one of his like early eighties movies. Yeah. And then like Police Story, Drunken Master Two, Drunken Master One, Dragons Forever, Police Story Two, Armor of God is number seven. The Monks and the Amazons. This is a sequel, by the way. This is a sequel to Armor of God. Um, which came out in 1986. Uh, a third part came out in 2012 called Chinese Zodiac. We only watched this one. We did not watch Armor of God. Uh, Project A, Young Master, then Armor of God 2, Operation Condor. So, he said, I forgot to include this fight just because it was so much trouble to stage and because the idea behind it was so bizarre. Me and Vincent Lin... Uh, battle in a giant wind tunnel, flying through the air, smashing against the back wall of the tunnel, and tumbling to the ground when the turbine is turned off. We did the whole thing wearing wires and harnesses, which were a pain to deal with, but how else were we going to pretend to be flying? It's a campy scene, but it's a lot of fun, especially when I fly at Vincent with my fist outstretched, shouting Superman, and use the thrust of the wind to punch him out. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, there's more to read from that book in a bit. Um, yeah, it's, there's, there's a lot of fight scenes though. I mean, there's, but none of them are super, super memorable aside from like the wind tunnel. The wind tunnel. (laughs) Um, even honestly, like the, the car and the motorcycle chase thing has just been kind of done a lot. Because you kind of see that, I mean, with watching movies like Fast and the Furious now, and each movie in the Fast and the Furious franchise, like, one-upping yeah. each, like, car chase whatever scene. It's like anytime you see any car chase scene in the 90s, you're like, eh. Yeah. But, I mean, like, even, I mean, honestly, I like, even, even something like, like Super Cop, which I know you probably haven't seen, but you have, like, you have, like, Michelle Yeoh riding a motorcycle on top of a moving train, you know? I mean, <laughs> at that, yeah, at that time, that and was that's pro- all real, you know, what I mean? like yeah. Whereas, you know, T two, we saw the motorcycle coming down, 
and behind the scenes yeah, there's the wires tunnel. hanging up on either side this is like all real no wires no harnesses and so it's impressive but you know it got it gets one up very fast. Right. And it's just kind of like, oh, that was a cool thing. But then everyone does it better like one year later or something. Mm-hmm. So it's just not cool anymore because everyone's just done yeah, it all the it, time. Yeah, it's less memorable. And some of the other fight scenes, again, are just very close quarters in a, in a room. So it's a lot of just punching and kicking um maybe using like a broom or a stick or something like that and and, you know knocking somebody out honestly in this case it was the distraction of disrobing people because there's another side fighting scene in morocco where they you know try to call back the joke and and pull off ada's towel right and it doesn't work um and elsa's like well you did it to me uh but a lot of that is the action is watching jump watching Jackie jump from floor to floor Uh with such ease because it's like a three-story Moroccan hotel and he goes from like one floor to another floor to another floor and then punching and kicking and then there's a whole bunch of shooting because Elsa gets a hold of a machine gun gun from the hotel owner who's like if you pay me I'll give you the gun or I'll shoot for you and he's like oh this is too much money you can have it now um and she just destroys the place because she doesn't know how to shoot. There's not a lot yeah, of action like there a... other than just watching bullet holes get formed. Right. Yeah. It's just like a joke that Elsa doesn't know how to use a gun because later on she tries to use a gun and she doesn't shoot at yeah. the people again. Yeah. She fumbles it and I think like even the cartridge comes out at one point when right. she has a different gun. It's always it's her always something messing up. Um, so yeah, there's, and and the, yeah, the Middle Eastern, uh, Moroccan, uh, hotel owner is definitely very much a stereotype. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, they, so that's when, when they, after that car scene, I guess, it's like they're attacked by these bandits where they kidnap Elsa and Ada, and that's when Jackie comes upon... Oh, that's in the desert. Momoko, that's, yeah. No, they're, they're all together when they meet Momoko. It's after they meet Momoko. But that's that's the thing. Like, I don't know why why she comes along in general. So, okay. Because they just... She's just... She's in the desert in the hitchhiking. Desert. Yeah. Because, unfortunately, like, her camel dies. Uh, she's there. I don't know why she's there. I don't know if they explain it, but they show, you know, the, the camel down on the ground and Jackie's like, oh, look at that. And then, <laughs> not even like sad, he's like, oh, just look at that. Uh, and then you see Momoko hitchhiking and they decide to pick her up. She's like on some mission. She's like this spiritual woman who's on a mission looking for like the meaning of death or something. I'll trust you. Okay. Like <laughs> the they, way she was like some, she was like some or like she wants to be some Oracle mystic type person. Cause that part where they try to save, this is even later on in the movie when Elsa and Ada are kidnapped. And there's this part where Jackie is dressed up like one of the Arab men to like 
call. Oh no, he he's gonna call over one of the men, but he's doing like this worshiping thing, like she's a god. Mm. And this guy sees her, like, what the fuck's going on? He's like, yeah, come over here. And he's doing this, like, worship thing. And that's when he knocks that guy out just to take his clothes. Yeah. So that's why I was like, uh, I don't but know. But that was also at, like, a slave auction type of a situation. So yeah. I don't know if that was, like... Oh, like... Him being like, oh, this is one of the this... best girls. Oh, okay. Type of a thing. I, I don't know. <laughs> um... But yeah, so like Ada and Elsa get kidnapped by some desert raiders, and Momoko is able to escape somehow. I don't really know how she gets away. I don't think they even because of her. Like she was she not had like there a, or something. No, the, she had that scorpion this is a scorpion thing (laughs) yeah she she has a pet scorpion and like it's established that the scorpion doesn't bite unless you mess with it and it's like it's totally fine and so jackie uses that to his advantage because the raiders are about to shoot him he pretends like the scorpion stings him and pretends to be poisoned and quote-unquote dies which gets him out of being shot but I don't know where momoko is during that and why she isn't also kidnapped I don't know I forget already and we just saw the movie not too yeah. long ago. But they're able to um, get away uh, together. And they find the the night auction where this is happening. And again, <laughs> racial stuff. This you is got like, the Aryan blonde and the oriental sex kitten up for auction. You're betting camels yeah, to, very, to yeah, win. Yeah, the betting of the camels. I was like, oh my god. Just this, that scene was like. It's, yeah, it's over the top. Like and it's the it most obvious. The, and people are betting a hundred and fifty camels, or whatever, for these two women. Yeah, and and so and Jackie Chan is like he steals that person's clothes and pretends to be this big, the highest bidder, big wig, and and wins the auction and tries to save them or whatever. It's just like amongst those men, they're like a hundred and fifty camels. Oh, oh we're <laughs> like, gonna be rich. He's gonna he's so rich. And I'm like, what are you gonna do with a hundred and fifty camels? But all a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. So they get out of that when they're on looking for the secret Nazi base in this sand cavern. Yeah, which is in the middle of the desert. And Tazan and Amon are, or Amon are always there. And they're like, they're basically like doofus thugs who are like rogue. They call themselves part of the soldiers of faith, but they're the only two we ever see right. from that group. Um, so they're kind of, I don't know, they're, they're just meant to be the goofballs of the the, the enemies yeah. and so they're always there and, and try to well because even earlier before that whole fight in the hotel they're climbing up to go into ada's room or, or elsa's. elsa's they're trying to eavesdrop and try to learn where the key is yeah. or who has it whatever and they're right outside the window and then something happens where the one of them falls and it's right out the window and you don't hear them going oof like i fell and then them yelling at each other like you idiot yeah but But eventually they do uh jackie and them do understand that they're there because he uses them as a distraction he's like oh i got you surrounded my men are outside referring to taza and aman and then so the uh the actual thugs who belong to Adolf who will 
meet two thirds in the movie, um, yeah. <laughs> or uh, you know, go after them and yeah, another destruction. So they get to this this uh, in the middle of the desert. There's this big monument, like idol, something like that. Yeah. Uh, that's of course guarded by another racial tribe. Um, and they do like a little tribal dance. Is again, it meant meant to be like a. It's it's their version of the distraction. So it's like the the heroes always do the funny thing to distract the villains. Now these villains are doing the funny thing to distract the heroes while they get ambushed and like dozens upon dozens of these tribal warriors surround them. It's like, oh yeah, we're friends. We'll be friends. Let's do this dance together. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, surprise, you're surrounded. Um, but they're able to get past and they fall like into they the fall hole. Into, yeah. There's like quicksand quick or something like that. sinkhole thing. And so the, the tribe is, you know, celebrating that, you know, they're, they're, they're swallowed up. But lo and behold, that was the way into the base. That's so. why I was like, why are they celebrating? Because they went where they wanted to go to. I don't know like if the, the tribe knew about the base. I don't know if they're crowding. Yeah, they might have just been... So they guarding were just, the idol or whatever. Oh, so they're just guarding their territory, which is the above ground, their sand dunes. Right. Okay. I felt I'm, they were guarding that base. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why they would either, so... But, um, yes, they fall into where they need to fall in, because then they see these, like, mummy... This is, like, one-eyed willy type <laughs> shit. I don't know. They find these, like... Yeah, they found dead bodies. Dead bodies. And Skeletons. <laughs> Elsa's like, this one's my grandfather. And I was like, how do you know? <laughs> but they explain it right away. I know like, they the explain it. The name is it. on the cross, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they explain it. But I was like, you look around a room of skeletons and you go to the first one and say, this one's my grandfather. Yeah. But, yeah, the, and but... I said, how do you know? And then even Jackie was like, how do you know? Right. But she explains it. Yeah, and, and he had been murdered. And, and Elsa's like, well, how do you know? And it's like, well, look at... Look at like, his neck. Yeah, his neck and, like, it's it's whatever. And, and he had, like, a knife in the back as well. Um, they search his body or his clothes and they find his logbook. Because the, the whole... The, the other thing that complicates things is, like, they have the key. Right, they found it in the house with Elsa. They have the map. Ada already had that. The key will only work if you know the combination. It's a special key, and only the person who locked the door knows the combination. And so, they're assuming that Elsa's grandfather is the one who locked it. And, and so the they're searching his, his dead body for information or try to find some way to unlock and it's funny she like Elsa reads the book and one of the passages that her grandfather puts is like I probably I used my daughter's birthday probably or something right like yeah <laughs> which I mean I mean think about it this way if you want somebody to not get the gold you put that red herring in there because it isn't it, it does end up being a red herring like make yeah. people think oh yeah it's just my daughter's birthday just putting probably at the end of the sentence yeah. made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, that, that is pretty good. Um, what doesn't get explained in this movie is how Adolf and all of his men get down there. 
especially because Adolf is in, in a, a wheelchair. wheelchair. So how did, did they, they get him across these sand dunes? I don't know, and it happens very soon after the rest of the crew is is um, there. So you'd think they would have been in visual range at some point. Yeah, following them um, somehow. But we know that Adolf knows where the bunker is because he was part of the crew. Mm-hmm. He there was seventeen. There were seventeen men. And no, 18 total. 18 men, but 17 bodies there. So the and 18th. So he's the 18th because evidently they uh, were all poisoned by Adolf. It was like a cultish type of like yeah, agreement. Yeah, they all take cyanide pills. And... and Adolf is the only one who said, nope, I'm not doing this. And yeah. he killed the grandfather and wanted to come back for the gold. This many years later. Like exactly the same time that Jackie and Elsa and Ada. Like, why wouldn't he have gone after the key? Like, a couple years later? When he was more. I don't know. Uh, again, 20 minutes are cut out, so maybe part of this is explained in the plot for that. Well, he explained. Adolf explains that when Adolf refused to take the cyanide pill, Elsa's grandfather. Uh, beat the shit out of him that's why yeah. he, that's why he's, yeah, he's been wheelchair bound since yeah that's why he's paraplegic and can't walk because but could he not get a crew together in the 30 plus years uh, yeah after that? i, I that's get the part it that's, that's what he could he could have come along like two years later or something I don't exactly know um so whatever they're there right now immediately after because convenience of plot and they, yeah, they're they're all there. They all evidently got past the tribesmen, but they also all have guns, so we don't see what happened to the tribe after the fact. <laughs> they might all be gone. Um, there's another part that's kind of weird in that everyone's trying to sneak around. Everyone, I mean the good guys, are trying to sneak around, and the bad guys are trying to get this generator up and working so that they can see and tr- kill our heroes. And for some reason, Jackie Chan's character is trying to hotwire different uh, light bulb sockets during this. And that payoff never happens. Like, I don't know why he's doing that at all. Except we see a part where he's getting electrocuted. Yeah, because he's like, okay, please don't turn on, please don't turn on, because he's, you know, hotwiring these things. And then the first one, he's fine. But why he's doing that, I don't know. And then the second one, it does turn on right when he's trying to connect it. And so you see him getting electrocuted. Just to show him. Yeah, just to have him making more funny faces, maybe. Yeah. But maybe there was, like, something he was rigging. And, like, maybe there would have been, like, explosions or some other. Yeah. Might have factored into a fight that got cut out in the U.S. version. I thought it was he wanted to turn some lights on, but I have no idea. I don't know, but the generator was going to come on. Okay. And he knew that because he's like, please don't turn on yet. Okay, I don't know. So, <laughs> I don't know. To, yeah, maybe to set up some crazy bomb. Yeah. To blow up the place once they leave. Yeah, because he's like stripping the wires and then reconnecting it. It's like, well, what are you, what is this? Um, I don't know. But that's when they all get into, well, they, yeah, they big, all big get to that, the vault or whatever where you have to put the key in the wall to do this code 
like everyone the yeah i mean there's a bunch of fighting before that but yeah yeah, all that fight that's there's like on top of like this big old tub and like there's death and they're on like this ninja warrior type of obstacle it's like teeter-towering back and forth and there's yeah that's where elsa so dangerous has a gun again and she fucks up again yeah and like the whole crew is like uh both good guys and bad guys are look down below and see that it's electrically charged or something like that and they collectively agree to take their fight off of the tear totters and then resume fighting as soon as it's done or you have like this bomb that rolls out of its case and it may be live and so everyone just stops what they're doing until they learn it's a dud and then they go back to fighting yeah so there's you know the jackie chan humor in there Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah there's a whole bunch of fighting um at one point one of the most dangerous stunts happens as well before the wind turbine thing and before they try to open the door and that's when Jackie tries to escape from this high area and he grabs onto this chain and swings down multiple stories and escapes Um, we see in the bloopers area that he didn't do that successfully one of the times right because he gets um well uh, you I don't know, are you gonna bring this up where he you can you can because that's that's not part of the part I have to read yeah uh, okay it's just it is when I was reading the trivia for this movie it was because like that one scene where he tries to take that chain and but he falls off and misses and he ends up dislocating his sternum. And in that behind the scenes, we do see the aftermath where he's getting wrapped up by a bunch of bandages and he's on like a stretcher thing for a minute. Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, I mean, it's kind of a staple of Jackie Chan movies to to see these bloopers and see like the major injuries at the end and see what happens. Like there's a part in Rumble in the Bronx where he basically like shatters his ankle and then you see the next scene, he's doing the exact same stunt, but with, uh, like, a cast that's painted to look like his shoe. Mm. You know? Because they just want to keep on going and, and do this Yeah, do finish this the movie. So, yeah, the, the sternum part is not in here. But, I mean, yeah, he's probably broken a bone in just about every single production that he's been in. Yeah, so we get to the the airlock or whatever, um, or not the airlock, the uh, the door, and so they tried the uh, the, the daughter's the birthday, yeah, and it's two of the thugs, it's two of Adolf's men who are doing this, and it's a booby trap, and there's like machine guns that are in the ceiling that kill them when they get the the code wrong. The code wrong, yeah, but they put the code in. Um, the western way i yeah. guess it's like september 17th Something and they like put that. 0917 yeah and wouldn't it be 1709 it should be for everything other than u.s yeah, yeah. and um but it wasn't even no it wasn't even that it wasn't even the birth date that jackie and elsa and ada figure out because they look at Elsa's grandfather's dog tags and they're tr- they're looking at the numbers and it's kind of like flipped up in various ways like it could be any combination of numbers yeah. from his dog tags yeah it could be a six or it could be a nine it could be whatever two or a five yeah and then they like spin it around and it creates another number which they decide to try instead and 
that's the number that works. But it's like all four of them. It's like Jackie, Elsa, Ada, and Momoko. Aren't they all four like behind each other in a yeah. line? And well, Jack- I mean, they're forced at gunpoint is why. Yeah, but the way that they're lined up <laughs> well, like, like why a Momoko train. Is coming to this, yeah, that's why I was like all four of them are all like huddled together like in this like train or whatever. And they're trying to they don't want to get shot, but Jackie's like the these bullets will go through 10 bodies, so we're going to die no matter what if we get it wrong. Mm-hmm. But they get it right. And you know, the door opens and, and there is an ass load of gold in there yeah. um yeah and like the girls have been part of the fight as well like they they they're fighting people with like helmets that were stashed and whatever yeah. so um they're doing their part even if elsa is not very competent with guns they're still finding ways to to do their part anyway once the gold is there adolf realizes that everyone's double crossing him because he's in the wheelchair and he can't get down there. He can't do anything. And basically everyone's like, well, we don't have to listen to you anymore. We got Because we, we got the gold. Yeah. And so now he's on the side of Jackie and the team. And they trap just about everybody except for two people in the vault. Mm-hmm. They just close the door on them all, lock them in, and two of them are able to get out, uh, including, you know, Vincent Lynn. And then I forget the name of the other guy. Unfortunately, I didn't write it down. Ken Lowe, I think it is. Um, and so, you know, those are the two main guys who get into the wind, wind tunnel, tunnel where this airplane is. Yeah. And this is where and so Adolf people, yeah, and the, la- the, all the <laughs> yeah, Adolf and all three of the ladies are up in that control room trying, they're just like, they, I think they're looking for ways to get out, but that's when they ignite this wind tunnel because like people are like it's jackie and those two guys like flying back and forth Mm -hmm. until they realize what they're doing to them like down below yeah and then they're trying to control him and like he's like giving the signal to them like yeah "Yeah, until Yeah. yeah until jackie is like signaling to them from below like put the wind tunnel this way so i can beat the shit out of these guys over here and so that entire scene it was like funny and that was like a very cool fight scene yeah especially like when they're fighting against the wind like them like using their fists against the wind to punch each other through the wind the very the lightest hit and then you get like the light but the even that was funny because it's like the other person is thrown to the ground and f- is flown against the wind. <laughs> yeah, it has to be very interesting and dangerous. Here's something else that the book says about it. So, okay. Uh, the, mov- the movie was full of trouble, but it was also full of action. One of my favorites is the fight in the wind tunnel. Inspiration came from Buster Keaton's Steamboat Bill Jr. from 1928, which has a scene in which he's fighting to walk against the wind. And from a visit I took to the Mitsubishi Motors test grounds, we spent close to one million Hong Kong dollars to build our mock wind tunnel. The propellers were so heavy that they break off when the turbine spun, so wires were put on them to hold them in place for each shot. The final result is amazing to watch as my enemy, American martial artist Vincent Lin, and I try to use the shifting winds to our advantage. And then he talks about the Superman thing again as well. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, he's definitely like aware of the comedic potential because of stuff like his. And he's he always tries to throw like Buster Keaton ish type of mm. stuff in there, you know, near misses and you know props that are, you know, millimeters away from his face falling and everything. Um, Even when they're both always going against the wind, danger comedy. Yep. But Jackie and the other guy are both flying against the wind, and Jackie takes his fist through the wind tunnel, sort of, and then the wind blows his arm back just to, like, slap yeah. dude in the face. Yeah. Like, really hard. It's funny. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but then Adolf kind of has... He knows the controls really, really well, so he kind of opens the wind tunnel right at the right second so the two guys fly out and then close it real quick so Jackie doesn't go through. Mm-hmm. And then the wind stops and he falls. And that's when they try to make their escape. Yeah, because at some point Elsa and trying to, or Ada, at some point when trying to control the thing and stop it from blowing one way or the other, they press a self-destruct button. Yeah. And so the entire base is going to blow up in 30 minutes. Yeah, so <laughs> they're like, how so the hell do we finish this? Here? They have to finish the fight, get those guys out of there, and then try to find a way to escape. And they take as much gold as they can, but the wind force like sends their bodies upwards. They go into the desert service. Yeah, the gold is too heavy, so sort of like what we saw with it looks, looks for kill. Yeah. kill. Uh, <laughs> the greed is their downfall, and they have to abandon all the gold in order to escape. Yeah, so n- no one gets gold, and now they're stuck on this desert yeah. that goes for forever, and they encounter Amon and Taza again, and they're fighting over water. Right. Oh, by the way, we should say that Adolf stays in the base. Oh, yeah. He's, he's... not able to escape, and so he, he opens the controls for the rest of them to get out. Yeah, like, out of... So he sacrifices himself yeah, of, so the others can, can uh, Whatever, live. yeah. In case anyone was wondering. So yeah, as soon as they get out, as soon as they get out and land in the sand after being injected into the air, here is Amon and, and uh, Taza. Taza, whatever. Um, yeah, they, they're fighting over water, and then Jackie makes this comment, like, saying, what's more important, like... Like gold or, you know, this water supply, you know, like this poignant. Right. uh, (laughs) This very important. Like, what's more important, like our lives or this gold? And then they all get together, the four of them, like Jackie, Elsa, Ada, Momoko, and then Amon and Taza, they all band together to go find water in this desert yeah and you pan out to see that they're miles away from anything yeah and and the end <laughs> yeah well it's jackie is like well he puts ada in charge he's like well you're in charge because you know everything and you have maps and shit mm-hmm. and she's like well if we go over this one sand hill it will be close to a city so they go over it and they're nowhere near you just see the you don't see anything anymore. Yeah, yeah, the camera just pans out and you see like 300 sand hills, so they got a million miles to go or something. Yeah, and that's the end. But then you get into the bloopers and, and the injuries over the credits where Jackie Chan is singing the end theme song. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you see like some of the injuries and, and whatnot and a lot of the uh, 
the mistakes and how they play it off, like how he's trying to roll over somebody's back and catch a gun in midair at the same time, and he misses, and so the bad guy catches the gun, and, you know, like, that's opposite of what happens in the actual scene, you know, stuff like that. You see the, the injury and the medical attention coming to him when he broke his sternum, and it's mostly bloopers rather than, like, the injury stuff, compared yeah. to, like, Retreat of the Godfather, which is, like, a mix of half and half. Yeah. But, you know, again, very typical um let me read some more from this book and then we can move on to other stuff here uh, so again the the book itself probably has a lot more mention of operation condor throughout it but there's no index there's no table of contents but at the very back of the book he does a little um blurb summary about you know recollections and memories of each movie in chronological order so that's what i'm reading from so there may be more in this 400 page biography that i'm missing but so be it um anyway he starts off by saying after the miracles movies in 1989 which did not do well uh it was time to go back and recoup some box office as a result i dusted off one of my biggest hit characters adventurer asian hawk now calling himself asian condor in this film i'm recruited by the government to lead the team we already talked about that um the team consists of myself and two women played by carol dodo chang and Ava Kobo de Garcia. Later, we're joined by yet another woman, Shoko Ikeda. With one Cantonese, one European, and one Japanese, I figured I had my various international markets covered. So you can see, like, the business side of things, and you're like, well, all I need is, like, one person from each different nationality, and we can market this to across the world. Goes on to talk about the fight scene in the Toronto. Uh, much of the film was shot in Morocco, a beautiful place, but one that led to no end of headaches. Somehow, the prop money that we made for the movie ended up getting circulated off the set and used by natives as actual currency, even though it was clearly printed with the Golden Harvest logo. The Moroccan authorities called me in for questioning and confiscated my film footage, and I had to call lawyers in Hong Kong and Great Britain before I could get my film back. What's worse, the production manager was arrested for distribution of counterfeit money and held in prison for three months which meant we had to leave him behind when we went to the Sahara. That's not in the behind-the-scenes trivia on IMDb. Wow. Um, so somehow the fake money got circulated, and, and uh, there was a big old hole blue about counterfeit currency. Working in the desert was crazy, and sand got into the equipment, the camels wouldn't listen to us, and a crew member got bit by a scorpion. The production was delayed for two months as over 50 crew members fell ill, Eventually, we returned to Hong Kong to film the rest of the desert scene, bringing 10 tons of sand back with us. The movie took us through Asia, Africa, and Europe and cost 115 million Hong Kong dollars, which is about 15 million US, the most expensive Hong Kong movie ever at the time, though still a small sum in comparison to US movie budgets. So, very troubled production from what it sounds like. A lot of, a lot of complications and difficulty. But, I mean, I don't know what the result was in terms of Hong Kong box office success. Wasn't it the second highest grossing Hong Kong movie outside of um, Fight Back to School? Fight Back to School was number one, and this is number two. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember that. So, yes. I, I mean, I certainly hope so. Yeah, this, I have a 
in the U.S. it made uh, yeah, almost $11 in, million. Dollars. Yeah, in Hong Kong, it's the second gro- highest grossing, but okay. I don't know anything about in the U.S. Yeah, the U.S., when it released in 1997, made $10.4 million. Uh, that puts it in 92 on, on our list. So we rank all the box office performances regardless of when it happened, and so this is number 92 on our list of box office performers. Um, but still, you know, that's almost making its budget back two-thirds of the way there just on the U.S. release. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't think you need to see the first one to see this one. I, I can, I, I'm really trying to decide what could have possibly been carried over. The only thing that also confuses me is that they make a very big deal about him, like, popping pills from his, like, watch, his spy watch. It, is that what they showed when he was in Elsa's apartment? Remember he, like, took yeah. two... Oh, that was pills. That was some sort of pills, and I then... I thought he um, was, like, eating gum or something. Well, I mean, I guess it could be. But then also, like, right before he, he um, puts on the parachute pack at the very beginning of the movie, he also pops one and misses yeah. his mouth. I Maybe that's a carryover from the first movie that we're missing out on. I don't know. Okay. But, yeah, there's not much um, here that would indicate that it has to be a sequel other than maybe some of the dialogue from the 20 minutes that were cut out so uh in terms of awards this movie was only nominated for one at the hong kong film awards for best action choreography but it lost to once upon a time in china and that was it so not a big huge award um draw either but at least i guess it got some box office performance if we're talking casting crew we gotta talk about um we'll talk about jackie chan really quickly here director and writer and star of this as a director and writer and star he's done fearless hyena young master project a one and two police story one and two crime story who am i and chinese zodiac which is the the sequel to this movie otherwise as an actor he's done drunken master rush hour around the world in 80 days shanghai noon and nights kung fu panda the karate kid reboot and he also has a cameo in one more 1991 movie called a kid from tibet uh, Edward Tang is a longtime collaborating writer who has basically done all of the same movies. Uh, he basically just does Jackie Chan movies, so, you know, stuff like this and Armor of God and Super Cop and Legend of Drunken Master, Rumble in the Bronx. And he has a Hong Kong Film Award win for Best Original Song for a movie called Rouge. Uh, Carol, uh, Carol Dodo Chang, who played Ada... Golden Horse winner for Moonstar and Sun, nominated for Her Fatal Ways, Hong Kong Film Awards winner for Last Affair, Her Fatal Ways, and nominated for the 1991 movie, Her Fatal Ways 2, uh, also Wonder Woman and Heart to Hearts, and Queen's Bench 3. I don't know most of those at all. Uh, but she's in several other 1991 movies, The Top Bet, Her Fatal Ways 2, Slickers and vs. Killers, The Banquet, and To Catch a Thief. This is Jackie Chan's only 1991 movie, by the way. Uh, Ava Kobo, who played Elsa, primarily not a, a martial arts movie actress. She's been in Femmes, Metador, and Passos. Shoko Ikeda really doesn't have a whole lot of credits. A few Japanese TV shows, but not a whole lot beyond this. Uh, and then um, there's an uncredited role from Chi Hua Chen, who directed The Retreat of the Godfather that we just recently saw. He's the guy at the opening. Uh, who's he said? Oh, you t- you drank the holy water. Now you got oh, to marry her. Marry my daughter yep. or whatever. That's him. Uh, and then Adolf, 
was played by Aldo Sombrell, who is a longtime actor who, uh, when he was younger, escaped the Spanish Civil War. He played professional soccer in Mexico, um, and then he went on to do some acting. He's been in things like Voodoo Black Exorcist, Good, Bad, and Ugly, Fistful of Dollars, A Few Dollars More, Satan's Baby Doll, Blood Hunt, and he's also in the 1991 movie Caged Women. And that's about all we got. Otherwise, uh, most of the crew is just, you know, uh, a recurring stable of martial arts supporting actors, stuntmen, people who are in a whole bunch of other similar things doing very similar stuff. Like Vincent Lin and Ken Lo, like we talked about. Uh, so we can move on to true crime and pop culture. Yeah, I have a couple of things that's interesting about Jackie Chan. So, I mean, I'm not going to get into, like, his singing history too much. Because, I mean, he he released, like, over 20 albums since the mid-80s. And he... Like what we said before, he sings a lot of the closing credit theme songs for all of his films. And a lot of his music is sung in five different languages. And he received a personal achievement award that included winning Best Foreign Singer, Singer Award in Japan in 1984 for the movie Love... Or the title is Love Me. That's like his first release but he's sung theme songs for 1991 he did the theme song the way of the condor for this movie operation condor but he also sang sang the theme song for beauty and the beast the chinese release Hmm. so instead of angela lansbury it's Jackie Chan? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> or instead of, like, what, People Bryson and whoever it was oh, that like, did the pop yeah, version, he does the, Yeah, he it doesn't say, but he did the... It said he sang the theme song of Beauty and the Beast for the Chinese release of Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, if I can find yeah, it, can I would want to listen we'll, to it. Yeah. But just other thing, I mean, his singing career goes all the way to, like, not 2020 like he's still singing Mm -hmm. but he did like the 2008 summer olympics closing ceremony song yeah i kind of remember that oh you do i just i mean i never watched it but i just kind of remember hearing that he did that oh i just thought that was interesting (laughs) so i mean yeah he's got a prolific singing career and then like i said before like this was the second highest growing highest grossing film in Hong Kong outside of Fight Back to School but overall the 90s list of the highest grossing films in Hong Kong it went down to number 8 and number 1 was this movie called All for the Winner that was released June 1990 Mm. There and might be a sequel on our list. It, it's a 1990 Hong Kong comedy directed by Jeffrey Lau, and it has Stephen Chow in it. 
So it's another Stephen Child movie. Yeah, the, the title sounds familiar. I'm trying to remember if there might be like a sequel that's 1991. Is it the f- one of Stephen Child's fight? No, it would also it'd be called, it'd basically be called like All for, All the, for the Winter 2. Well, you yeah. know how like some of these uh, sequels to these movies have nothing to do with the fr- like how cooperation yeah. condor is like it has nothing oh, to do with the first that was a US created title oh okay in, in Hong Kong it was called Armor of God 2 okay and then when they released yeah. Armor of God 1 in the US after 1997 they called it Operation Condor 2 Armor of God huh <laughs> so and then Fight Back to School was number five on that list of mm. highest grossing Hong Kong films in the 90s. Does Jackie Chan have any of the ones in the top, aside from Operation Condor? You might not know their titles, so... Well, from what I... I'm only looking at... I don't know about... You don't know uh, the names of them, maybe. Um, I'm, I'll, this list only shows the, the title and then the director, so I don't know if Jackie Chan was in any of these other movies where he was not the director... If you want to name them off, I can tell you. But... Justice My Foot is number two. That was released July 2nd, 1992. God of Gamblers 2 is number three. That was released... That's another Stephen Chow. Stephen Chow movie. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, a lot of his movies were highest grossing. December of 1990, All's Well, Ends Well. Nope. That was released January 1992. Fight Back to School is number five. Number six is God of Gamblers Return. Again, Stephen Chow. Yep. Yeah. Is that an all for the winner? No. I don't think so. Okay. No, I, I think it's separate. Okay. That was December 1984. And then you have Rumble in the Bronx. Okay. Number that's, seven. Yeah. That's highest grossing. And number eight is Operation Condor. Number nine is to be number one that is a 1991 movie april 5th 1991 movie it's a gangster film directed by poon man kit i don't know if that's on our list it might not have ever been uh, imported in any way number 10 is royal tramp a 1992 release also not jackie chan number 11 is police story 4 first strike and it's also known as First Strike or Jackie Chan's First Strike, which yeah. is a Jackie Chan movie. Yes. <laughs> so that's February. T- that was released February 1996. And number 12 is King of Begger- Beggars. Okay. That's a December 1992 release that's directed by Gordon Chan. And that's another Stephen Chow movie. Yeah. <laughs> He's everywhere. So much. Yeah. Just so much. So, this movie, Armor of God, was released on February 7th, 1991, and that was a Thursday, and I have a TV show that we haven't spoken about, I don't think. So, on Thursdays was... I thought this was a Friday thing, but it was um, new releases for The Simpsons. Oh, they used to, yeah, they used to be on Thursdays. Okay. Cause and what, then they moved to Sundays. Okay, because I was like, wait a second, The Simpsons was a Thursday show? Yeah, it was like opposite Cosby, which is like a huge deal at the time. Yeah, it was 
Um, Fox was Simpsons. These are the major ones. Fox was Simpsons, and then NBC was Cosby Show. On ABC was Father Dowling's Mysteries, which we've talked about before. <laughs> and then after The Simpsons on Fox was Babes, which we've talked about, and Beverly Hills 90210. And on NBC was The Cosby, Cosby Show, Different World, Cheers, Wings, and then L.A. Law. That was like a stacked yeah. night. NBC. It was easy to go from Simpsons back to NBC. Yeah, to watch Cheers. And Different World. Yeah, Different World <laughs> I loved. Which, too bad, like, Cosby's like... And then once the drama started, I was off to something else. Yeah, and then Cheers I loved, and then Wings, I was like, I don't know. Yeah, Wings was fine. I never watched Wings. I just knew who was in it. But yeah, we watched it. It was fine. So on CBS, these this is where I'm getting to, was Top Cops, which we've spoken about. Yeah. That was like that doc series about actual cops. Like yeah. it, it was like cops. Sort of like real stories of the highway patrol yeah, or something like that. But not as over the top as the show cops. <laughs> after that was The Flash, which we've spoken about before. Mm-hmm. And then after that at 10 p.m. is a show called Good Sports. Yeah, that sounds new. Okay, because when I was reading this, I would have asked you about this because it sounds like your favorite show, (laughs) which is, it's an American sitcom TV series that was, it only lasted one season, and it went from January to July of 1991, and it stars Farrah Fawcett and Ryan O'Neal. Huh. And the show features two main characters, Bobby Tannen, played by O'Neill, a once famous former football player for the Green Bay Packers, and Gail Roberts, played by Fawcett, who's an ex-Miss America, and they're two anchors who talk about sports on a cable network. Okay. And I don't think I... it's the Aaron Sorkin wit of sports night, though. But I just didn't realize there was another show about... Right. Two anchors talking about sports. Yeah. So, I thought this was interesting. I'm curious about it. Yeah, it only lasted a season. I mean, other people that were on it was Brian Doyle Murray. He seems to show up in a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> yeah, everywhere, even like now. Paul yeah. Feig was in it. Huh. So, yeah, I mean, it was a mid-season replacement... Yeah, it's January. Yeah. And, and it was it. obviously canceled. The final episode aired July 13th, 1991. Tough to compete against Cheers, though. You're going yeah. head-to-head with Cheers. Yeah, you're going against Cheers, which, I mean, no one can go against Cheers during that time. And L.A. Law. Right. So. I wonder if there's an episode on YouTube. I think there is, because when I was looking this up, I saw... Well, at least I saw, I saw a trailer for it, for good sports. Yeah, it doesn't sound familiar. There may be, like, a TV guide somewhere with a an ad in our stack. Okay, and then just moving on to what happened on this day... 
Okay, this is this is sp- more sports related. This is NBA related. On February seventh, nineteen ninety one, Bob Knight, Larry O'Brien, Tiny Archibald, Dave Cohen's, Harry Gallatin, and Larry Fleischer were all elected into the NBA Hall of Fame. Mm, okay. You mean basketball Hall of Fame? I would assume. Yeah, NBA. Well, Bobby Knight never did. NBA, NBA Hall of Fame, yeah. Oh, okay. This is all I see on this little thingamajig. Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't delve into it. I mean, maybe it. he did have some sort of I NBA didn't delve career, into but he was, it he was a famous you, college coach. I would, like, assume that you would know more than I do. <laughs> and then I have a famous birthday. So do you know who Spencer Eldon is? No. I wouldn't either, but... Okay. <laughs> I'm like, this is a trick question, isn't it? <laughs> so, f- on this day, February 7th, 1991, Spencer Eldon was born, and he is the baby and the model on the cover of Nirvana's Nevermind. Oh, okay. So that's like a trivia question for like a music thing, I that's guess. The one who recently tried to sue them yeah because he's like 32 now and yeah. like realized oh hey like, my oh, naked my, body is on there my dong's on a cover yeah my baby. so we'll move on to rankings and ratings then where on your one to five star scale are you going to put operation condor i'm gonna give this a three yeah i'm like right there as well again uh we're we're very in sync with our ratings recently. <laughs> I mean, a lot of these movies I like, but they're not like... Yeah, they're not blowing us away. Except for like maybe like the last few movies, like Dogfight is like the only movie that kind of just like blew me away because I didn't know anything about it. And yeah, then it was such I a pleasant I, surprise. Yeah, I thought I would have not liked it, but I did. Uh, the other thing that, what the VHS tape that you have, on the bottom it would flash, like every few minutes saying this is a demo tape, and if you rent it or purchase this, you have to call this number immediately, and mm-hmm. it's one eight hundred no copies. Yeah, I just thought that was Don't hilarious. Copy that floppy. Uh, I mean, yeah. Not only did I work at a video store at one point, I had access to a few different promotional screeners but i also had friends who worked at other video stores prior to me and then they would give me some things so this this copy of operation condor came from a friend who worked at an independent video store and just gave me that um so yeah on my zero to four star scale i'm gonna say it's a two out of four it's really not one of i i honestly don't think it's a great introduction to jackie chan movies the fight scene the there's like innovative fighting scenes i mean obviously the the wind tunnel at the end is the star of the show but beyond that there's not anything that really screams this is a jackie chan movie to me Mm. as opposed to just here's another fight scene with real people doing stunts and taking real hits so I, I think that there's probably better options for you to, as a starting point that are probably a little bit more exhilarating, get in the action more, don't have as much of the racial stereotype problems as this one does. 
So it's a two out of four for me, just because, again, even back then, it was like fourth or fifth choice out of the ones that I went through heavy rotation on. But every movie's worth watching once. Would you watch this again? Uh, I would only watch the wind tunnel scene again, <laughs> I guess. I, I would want to watch the first one and possibly the, the, third, the one? third one, at least, before seeing this to again. To be like, what's the connection? Yeah, I would also honestly consider watching a subtitled version of the extended cut. Yeah, I don't like dubbed shit so yeah the dubbing is bad in this i like that to watch things the in their original the languages and then just give me subtitles i know they're not gonna coincide with what people are saying really but... there wasn't really a heavy emphasis on that in the home market until probably something like crouching tiger where they had two different versions that you could rent out or buy. You had the dub. Yeah, I remember that one. because, like, my stepdad hates reading subtitles. So, but I remember I... it very well because I was working at the video store and we had the you know guaranteed rental thing going on at Hollywood Video, mm-hmm. and so if it wasn't in stock, you got a, a voucher to get it for free next time oh. you were in. But because there were two versions, everybody wanted the dub, but they would not take the subtitled one. I would rather. We could not give them coupons for the. the, the we dub. couldn't give them the voucher because the subtitled one is on the shelf. Yeah. So yeah. and they're like. I don't want to read it. Yeah, but they're mad at us that they couldn't get the free rental, because the version that they wanted was out of stock, but we still had some in stock and could not give them the voucher. Yeah. So I remember, that uh, debacle. That's yeah. It's just I would rather read. I mean, even now, even if we're watching something in English, I need subtitles. Yeah, I honestly think that streaming and also just like the way audio mixing works these days is it makes it's just it like makes even with volume more mainstream. stuff. It's like sometimes things are so quiet, or there's like people talking over each other. I don't even know who's saying what. Yep. Yeah, it's. it's Give me subtitles and everything. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's much different. But yeah, I would honestly consider watching an extended cut of this to see like what is different. Um, yeah. Or I'd see the other ones. There's obviously better Jackie Chan movies. If we're talking, we got a lot of Stephen Chow to watch instead. So this is this is lower priority. But if you out there do want to watch Operation Condor, as of this recording in May 2023, it's available on Canopy, Pluto TV, digital rental, VHS or DVD. As always, check your local listings. You can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can email us at 1991 movie at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, YouTube. Just search 1991 Movie Rewind or go to 1991movierewind.com for the full list of movies along with show notes and more. Next week, we're concluding our action month with a big one. We're finally talking about Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. That's digital rental, VHS, or DVD. We'll see you then. Unfortunately, it's not Robin Hood. No. <laughs>